This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Donald Trump sails to victory in South Carolina while Nikki Haley and her uniparty, special interests, war-loving donors vow to white-knuckle her candidacy until the bitter end. Trump religious confidant Pastor Daryl Scott joins me in just a few to discuss that slow-moving train wreck. Plus, as our border remains wide the hell open for every Tom, Dick, Harry, and criminal, the University of Georgia mourns the loss of a student who was murdered by one of those illegals. And you know I have some final thoughts. The show starts right now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Listen, you've heard a lot of well, Trump speeches. Yeah, I mean, RIP the Reagan GOP. There's something so jarring about watching Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, all of who condemned him after January 6th, lining up to do their best campaign rally impersonation and saying this is the most qualified yeah, I mean, man uh, to be president. The night of January 6th, Lindsey Graham was saying he was, you know, I'm done with him. Enough. 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 Um, I mean, listen, it is the greatest political comeback in history. Just three years ago, he was done in the party, and it only took a matter of months before he came back and handily won in Nikki Haley's home state. The folks over there at CNN are dumbfounded. They're triggered. They're downright shook that people in South Carolina and all over the country would vote for Donald Trump over Nikki Haley. But as for actual Republicans, this is not shocking at all. What is shocking is why the hell Nikki Haley is still in the race, or I guess more accurately, why her donors are willing to waste tens of millions of dollars on her. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm a woman of my word. Oh, look, she reminded us she's a woman again. How refreshing. But the woman loses by double digits and she just keeps on going. But that's not resiliency. That's a well-funded ego. What concerns me most is who is really funding her? She keeps losing badly, and yet she's outraising Donald Trump. She spent almost $11.5 on ads in South Carolina in the month of February, and that's over $10 million more than Donald Trump. Last month, she raised almost $3 million more than Donald Trump. She raises it, and she spend it, spends it, and she loses, but she's still in the race. But it's funny, and actually just as fun as it is to mock Nikki's epic losses, I'm still rather concerned, not about Nikki, but more so the folks that are voting for her and they're funding her. Because in South Carolina, despite losing to Trump, she still got about 300,000 votes. What will these folks do in November? Will they vote for Trump? Or will they vote for Joe or Gavin Newsom? Do we need to worry about these folks? Well, let me bring in Trump's senior religious advisor, Pastor Daryl Scott, to weigh in on... All things South Carolina, all things Donald Trump, all things Icky Nikki Haley that just won't go away. 
Pastor Scott, what do you think about Nikki Haley and who do, who do you think is funding her? Right now, I think this is a vanity project for Nikki Haley. She likes seeing herself on television. You, if you notice, every time she comes on, it's like she has a different uh, makeup style, got her hair done. She likes being up there. She likes hearing herself talk. And um, it seems as if she's auditioning for a job in the private sector because they're simply throwing good money after bad. She might be getting funded by the Lincoln Project or the Never Trumpers or somebody like that because no sane individual thinks that she has a, an iota of a chance to win this primary. So there has to be some other motive behind this other than Nikki Haley for president. Pastor Scott, what really worries me here is that the people that are funding her, knowing that she's not going to be the nominee, are keeping her in for whatever reason because they hate Trump. But then what happens when eventually it does end? Donald Trump is announced as our nominee. Where do these donors go? Where do these voters go? The voters are going to go with Trump. I mean, that South Carolina is her home state. She was supposed to carry at least a decent measure or a decent percentage of the vote there. So there's no need for alarm. You know, oftentimes feelings are ruffled. We saw that with the DeSantis supporters, but they come back around. And Trump is actually being conciliatory in his remarks. If you notice it, um, he, he was like that with DeSantis. And to be quite honest, everyone complained about Trump not being quote unquote presidential during his prior campaign, campaign, especially 2016, but he's being very, very presidential now in this campaign. There's not been any or a lot of inflammatory rhetoric to anger Republicans. They'll come around. They voted for Nikki. They knew she was going to lose. They voted for her anyway. They'll vote for Trump. They're not going with Biden. And we can't discount the fact that South Carolina is also an open primary state, that there might have been some Democrats in there just to try to throw a monkey wrench in the proceedings. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope that they will vote for Donald Trump. But these Nikki Haley voters, they're not like DeSantis voters. To me, they're the complete opposite. They represent the old guard of the Republican Party, the more Bush, McCain, Romney type people. So I hope they'll vote for Donald Trump, but I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if it'll make much of a difference. But when you get 300,000 votes, obviously losing by a lot to Donald Trump, but that's still 300,000 people that I think we need in the Republican Party. So I'm, I'm hoping that they will come to their senses. I'm hoping that Nikki Haley will drop out. You know, she just keeps going. And one of the main things that she keeps saying is that, well, it's easier for her to beat Biden than it is for Trump to beat Biden. And I don't necessarily disagree with her when you look at the national polls, whatever. I think more Democrats would vote for her because she's not a threat to them. But that's exactly why I would never vote for her because she's not a threat to the Democrat agenda. She is, in my opinion, the Democrat agenda. So it's not just about being Biden to have her in there. I don't want her in there under any circumstances. Would you be open to having her even in the administration? Because I'm hoping that that's a no-go. No, I wouldn't be open to that. I mean, he gave her a shot in the administration last time, and we see how that worked out. The one thing Nikki does not do is inspire anybody. I don't think she could beat Biden in the general. I think that voters would stay home rather than vote for her. She's just not inspiring. She's not a motivator. She's not one that um, causes people to be enthused about being an American citizen like Trump does. Trump does inspire enthusiasm in Americana. We're proud to be Americans. We, we embrace patriotism and things like that under President Trump. Nikki is just not inspiring like that. She seems to be self-centered, self-serving. 
and self-motivated. And um, she needs to just bow out gracefully while she has a chance and let us move on so we can focus on this general election. What do you think about uh, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, you know, going away after Super Tuesday? That was rumored. Now it's seemingly confirmed that she will, you know, resign and will have somebody else in that position. You know, Donald Trump has been kind of a defender of her, has kind of come to her aid. A lot of people in the Republican Party, though, very unhappy with Ron McDaniel, don't think that she's inspiring. Certainly, she's not been able to raise a lot of money for the RNC. You know, what do you think? And do you think that Donald Trump's got somebody else in mind that, that you think is going to be a little bit more inspirational for the entire party to rally around? Well, the party will rally around him rather than an, uh, an RNC chair. I like Rana. Rana is a friend of mine. I don't think she did a bad job. What I think is there are too many hands in the same pockets. I mean, you have all of these entities that come up now that are capitalizing off of what happened in 2020. And donors are only going to give so much to so many. And I just really think that a lot of donors that were contributing to the RNC began, were, were basically poached by other entities and uh, began giving to others that had the rallying cry of, we need to save this country. And so it watered down her uh, donor pool. And, you know, here's the thing about it. And I see this in a number of different states. If we win an election, the candidate takes the credit. If we lose an election, either Trump is blamed or the RNC is blamed. And I don't think that's fair. A, a candidate has the owner. Either the candidate wins or the candidate loses. But I can't take credit for a win and not share blame for a loss. And that's where a lot of the candidates were. They want to place, point the finger at Ronald McDaniels and say, Ron is the reason why I lost. Or they'll say, well, Trump didn't do enough and I lost. When in actuality, candidate just was not able to garner enough enthusiasm to gain those votes. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, you know, I liked her initially. I do think, though, maybe she's not the best for the role. You know, everybody's got to know what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And I think that she had a big high, obviously, in 2017 with the victory of Donald Trump. But I think since then, she maybe has been in a little bit over her head. So I think it's time to get some new blood in there. We do need to raise some money. So I think that that's going to be important. I hope that there's somebody good waiting in the wings. I want to ask you about what everybody's talking about. And it's South Carolina, it's the country. Everyone's talking about the black vote, right? Everybody wants the black vote. Joe Biden needs the black vote. Donald Trump thinks he can get more of the black vote. There's been a lot of discussion about some of the things that might get the black vote. And, you know, it's been interesting. I'm sure you find it interesting when, you know, white folks talk about what gets the black vote. So I want to ask you, what is it that's going to get Donald Trump more of the black vote this go around than the last go around and more than maybe even certain Democrats that might be running. Can the Republicans do it? Can Donald Trump do it? Donald Trump can. I think the best thing Trump, Donald Trump has going for him regarding the black vote is Joe Biden. <laughs> Biden is horrible. Trump has the ability to draw a comparison now between him and Joe Biden. And you know what? The black community sees that the false narratives against Donald Trump that were supposed to materialize after 2016 did not happen. You know, they painted him as the boogeyman. They used emotions. If you notice something, we were not given intellectual reasons to vote or not to vote for Donald Trump. We were all given emotional reasons. He hates you. He's a racist. You're going back to Africa. <laughs> 
Somebody said that to me. They said, if you know if Trump gets elected, he's shipping us all back to Africa. I couldn't do anything but laugh. He's going to lynch you. We're going to be, we're going to be uh, dragged out of our house and strung up on trees. That was the image that they gave to Black America. But then Trump got in office and Black America is like, wait a minute. None of that materialized. So you can't play that card again. And then Joe Biden has been absolutely horrible. Black people vote like everybody else votes, according to our pocketbooks, according to our checkbooks, according to our wallets. Joe Biden has this country all screwed up and this open borders uh, immigration policy that he has. The one thing is this. When the immigrants come in, they're not moving to Beverly Hills. They're not moving to Palm Beach. They're going into the black communities. They're displacing uh, black people. They're taking black people's jobs. They're taking our schools away from us and a lot of things. So Donald Trump has a lot of reasons politically and economically for and internationally as well. Black people don't like funding these wars and different things like that. The Biden administration is basically a crap show right now. And it's evident, and no matter what the Democrats say, you know, Donald Trump is the better candidate right now to the black community. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the country was prosperous. It wasn't just black folks or white folks or brown folks. Everybody was prosperous under Donald Trump. And that's, you know, that's not disputable at this point. And then, of course, COVID happened and that was a problem for everybody. And, you know, that's another discussion for for another day. I hope we don't ever have to deal with another fear pandemic. But, you know, that's something that we might have to deal with. And I hope Donald Trump's president. I hope he'll do things a little differently. That was one of my very fair criticisms of Donald Trump was maybe he's a little bit too um, conciliatory towards Fauci, but we'll talk about that in a bit. I want to talk, though, about what happens if Joe Biden isn't the nominee, because, uh, Pastor Scott, I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. I think people say, oh, it's got to be Kamala. Yeah, Democrats don't want to lose. They're not going to have Kamala be a loser. So I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. And I see him going around doing different interviews, talking about how much he loves Joe. All that says to me that he's standing there with a knife to his back. Let's play a clip from Meet the Press, and I want your take on California Governor Newsom. I mean, he's got an extraordinary record. He's doing everything he needs to do on Ukraine at the moment. He's doing everything he needs to do uh, to reconcile and wrestle some common sense as it relates to a bipartisan approach to address the issue of the border, uh, where the Republicans couldn't take yes for an answer yeah. uh, because they don't want to make that a political issue. Uh, he is leading. And so, no, from my humble perspective, not only the last three years have been extraordinary, I've been out with, as you know, on the campaign drive. I was just out in California. I've seen him up close. I've seen him from far. But here's my point. It's because of his age that he's been so successful. So the opportunity to express that for four more years, what a gift it is for the American people. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. Uh, yeah, in his humble opinion, Gavin Newsom hasn't been humble one single day in his life. But I don't buy any of this. I believe he's been following him around, picking up the breadcrumbs because he's going to be the nominee. What are your thoughts? First of all, I've never known Alzheimer's dementia to be a gift, number one. Number two, you're, I believe you're absolutely right. Gavin Newsom is priming himself to be the candidate. He has some Bill Clinton-esque vibes. He comes across as a little bit too slick. Um, the state he runs is in a free fall right now. You point at L.A., you point at San Francisco. He's not doing a good job. I don't think Joe Biden will uh, withdraw voluntarily. I think they're going to try to disqualify him some type of way. Kamala Harris would be a nightmare candidate, and I don't think she wants to run again for VP. So I think that once they disqualify uh, Joe Biden, she will 
quote unquote fall upon a sword and say, well, I was with him and I'm leaving with him. And I try to float new candidates. I don't think Gavin Newsom can beat Donald Trump, though. I, I just don't think he can. I don't think he's he rallies Democrats anymore. I don't think anybody's going to get in, enthused or inspired over the possibility of a Gavin Newsom uh, candidacy. I wish you were right, and I wish I could agree with you, but I lived in California. Do not underestimate Gavin Newsom, and here's why. I'm worried when I look at the polls. I see Donald Trump doing well now against Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is essentially a vegetable. He's a French fry, right? But he's still... You know, in, in some places, Donald Trump is still within the margin of error, barely beating Joe Biden, who is a French fry. So I'm worried that you put up Gavin Newsom. His state is awful. He's slick Rick. He's maybe not super inspiring, but he's young and he can put a sentence together. So if I'm looking at the polls and it's looking like Joe Biden barely losing to Donald Trump and then you put in Gavin Newsom, who is young, I'm worried and I don't want to sit and I don't want to be overconfident because I think overconfidence is going to get us into a really bad spot. So what would you suggest we do if it is Gavin Newsom? What can Donald Trump do to defeat Gavin Newsom, who, by the way, he's had some kind of nice things to say about in the past? Yeah, you're absolutely right. He said nice things about Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom has said nice things about him. I think, though, that he will be a more formidable opponent than Joe Biden simply because he doesn't have to run on Joe Biden's track record. Joe Biden's track record right now is horrible. So Gavin Newsom is going to be starting with a clean slate, nice looking guy. He has the optics uh, necessary. He looks for whatever whatever this means. He looks presidential. So you're right. I think he will be a greater challenge. President Trump will have to focus in on issues. They have to focus in on policy and they have to focus in on the Democratic Party itself, more so than the person of Gavin Newsom. And once again, he can point to the state of California and try to highlight the condition California is in and use that to counteract whatever uh, statements that Donald or whatever platform that Gavin Newsom runs on. I do wonder, in the conversations that you've had with Donald Trump going into what we hope is going to be the next administration, he has had some issues with picking the wrong people. Have you had any personal conversations with him about just the people he surrounds himself with and maybe some better choices, what we hope will be the next go around? Maybe around two, we're in 2020, maybe around 20, 2022, actually after the midterms, I was with him. And he hadn't announced that he was going to run again, but he told me he was going to run again. I knew it. And he said something to me that I thought was very profound. We were, I think we were at Bedminster. I was over his house at Bedminster. And he said, the mistake, uh, you know, Donald Trump is not going to be one to admit to too many mistakes publicly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but he said to me, he said, the mistake I made last time, I was trying to unify the party and bring people in that wound up backstabbing me. He said, if I go in next time, I'm taking my guys with me. And so I think that he knows. I mean, I, I, that's, not, that's something he said to me in private. I don't mind saying it in public, but he said, that was the mistake I made. I had people, you know, I acted upon recommendations and, well, you need to have this one. You need to bring that one. We're going to unify the party. They've been there. And he said, and they weren't on my side. They were actually working against me rather than for me. He said, but next time I'm bringing all my guys in. Well, that's so music I, to I, my I, ears. I, I, I like that. I think that he has uh, good instincts, obviously, to get where he has in life. He's got good instincts. He needs to listen to them. 
and clear all the other people out of the way. I'm hoping that he does that. I'm hoping for a big Donald Trump victory. We're all going to have to work really hard to make sure that happens. It's not going to be easy. I don't want anyone to think it's going to be. It's not. It's going to be a battle, but it's one that we have to fight. So we always appreciate you and, and the battle that you're fighting every day. Last thing, though, Tommy, you got to get you some of those blinged out Trump 45s. Could you get me some? Because I can't, I'm not like I could find them in here. I think those are reselling on eBay for like eight grand or more. Have you gotten yourself some? No, but I'm asking for a pair. I'm not paying five grand for them. But if he's got some, I'm going to ask him for one. You know, Trump has always been a branding guy. He doesn't run, he's not, he doesn't have a sneaker factory, but he branded it to this. And there's some great collector's items. I don't think anybody would be wearing them up to the gym to play basketball there. But there are some great collector's items. They're beautiful. I think they're beautiful. So if you get your I hands on a cool pair... Too. I'd love to get my hands on a pair, so help me out. If you can uh, talk to the big guy, I-, I would love some. I think they're great. I think they're beautiful. And that's not just because I like Trump. I think they're actually good-looking shoes, and they're a great collector's item. So I hope you get your hands on a pair, and I hope that someday I do too. All right. God bless you. Thanks for having me on too. As always. And I love your shirt. You're always coming in, giving us some pizzazz, which I love that about you as always. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you very soon. God bless you. <laughs> All right, folks, a 22-year-old nursing student at the University of Georgia was murdered by an illegal immigrant from Venezuela, and the left has blood on its hands. It's time for Final Thoughts. Lakin Riley, say her name. She was murdered by this man, 26-year-old Jose Antonio Abara, an illegal immigrant from Venezuela. He was living in an apartment building at the edge of the park where Lakin was running and he murdered her. She died of blunt force trauma. She was found dead along that trail near UGA's campus. Now, a lot of the news and media articles covering this murder are really doing the most to make it about the eeriness of the running trail, about the need for more campus security, about the dangers of running while female, and all those things may all be true, but they're also sidestepping the massive point and likely on purpose. Jose Antonio Abara is not only an illegal immigrant, he is a criminal alien who committed crimes in both New York and in Georgia. He may be undocumented, but his crimes are not. The police chief called what he did a crime of opportunity, and he's right. This degenerate illegal alien should have never had the opportunity to be in Georgia or in America at all. According to CBP documents, he crossed illegally in September 2022 through El Paso, but was released due to lack of detention space. Red flag number one of about 20. So here's another one. He was sponsored by the Covenant House in New York, another one of those treasonous NGOs who aid and abet this crap, yet they list themselves as a youth homeless shelter. DHS sources also confirm he was arrested five months ago in New York. Records show he was arrested on September 14th, 2023 in Queens, New York for injury to a child less than 17 and no license. So while Alvin Bray and the state of New York have been prioritizing their efforts to convict and bankrupt Donald Trump, they've been allowing illegal aliens to go buck wild and unscathed by the system. But there's more. Jose had more interactions with the law in Georgia. In October of last year, he and his brother were cited for shoplifting in Athens, Georgia. His brother also had a fake green card, but that's just a side note. Also, turns out Jose and his brother had an outstanding bench warrant in Athens, Clark County, as of December of last year for failure to appear in court 
for those shoplifting charges. So this man was known to DHS, to New York City law enforcement, and to Georgia law enforcement, but he was still able to roam freely around a country he has no right to be in, all before murdering a college student. Democrats have blood on their hands, and a lot of it. I think it's pretty damn apparent that the world is dumping its degenerates and emptying its prisons into our country, and our leaders are so desperate for easy votes, they not only allow it, but they cheer it. A college student is now dead because of it. Not because of a dimly lit path, not because running is dangerous, not because of an Athens man, because of an illegal immigrant from Venezuela who had no right to be here but was because our leaders don't give one crap about us. But in the meantime, they cry about Ukraine and Ukraine's border. Degenerate Americans who commit crimes should be thrown behind bars. Degenerate illegals who commit crimes should have never been here in the first frickin' place. But this is the tip of the iceberg. More of this is to come. We've allowed over 7 million in, and you think it's just a few bad apples that want to harm us, rob us, kill us? Wake up. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.